Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 to 13. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The word of the Lord. We begin a, a series for the fall on the Lord's Prayer. I'm really excited about this. The Lord's Prayer, along with the Ten Commandments and the Apostles' Creed, maybe the, the three statements, historical statements, that, 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 most, uh, that most well clarify and summarize the essence of Christianity, the essence of biblical faith, the Lord's Prayer. And you know, for 2,000 years, people have prayed this prayer. They have memorized it. Uh, they have studied it. They have used it regularly. If you're not a Christian and you're with us today, you probably have heard the Lord's Prayer. You may even be able to recite it yourself. And you may be wondering, Brian, why the Lord's Prayer now? Um, during a pandemic that we haven't gotten through, with all the social unrest that's happening in our society, all the political tension now, and it's an election year, and it's the fall, why the Lord's Prayer? And then why the Psalms throughout the summer? And then why the Sermon on the Mount? Because if, as you see, the, the Lord's Prayer is in the Sermon on the Mount. It basically means we're in the Sermon on the Mount for like over a year. <laughs> so, so Brian, why? Why right now, right? Shouldn't Shouldn't I be, shouldn't a preacher be speaking to the issues? Is a good question that we should have. And I, and I think the answer to that is yes. Yes, a, a preacher should be speaking to the issues at times and in appropriate ways. And, and, and you may remember that, that from time to time I directly do preach to the issues. Uh, but I'll kind of let you into, kind of let you behind the curtain here uh, for me as a preacher. I believe, and, and, and your elders believe, in preaching what is known as the whole counsel of God. And the expression the whole counsel of God basically means that we thoughtfully and prayerfully consider what are the needs of this church and the needs of our congregation in light of the situation that our community and society are in and what is God's will for us to hear from his word at this time in our lives, season in, season out, year in, year out. And we believe in asking the Holy Spirit of God to guide us, and by His sovereignty and His providence, He will direct us on what to preach. And over time, book after, the, book, after book in the Bible, section after section, year in, year out, decade after decade, a preacher feeds his flock the whole counsel of God. But it's, it's his agenda, it's God's agenda, it's not based on my preferences, and it shouldn't be based on your preferences. But eventually, as you preach the whole counsel of God, God's people get a balanced, full diet from his word. Let me put it to you this way. Preaching the whole counsel of God is sort of like uh, Mr. Miyagi's training program and the Karate Kid. Now, now I, I grew up in the 80s, so I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm thinking about the original Karate Kid, not the one that was made about 10 years ago, but, which is also a really good movie. So I'm thinking Karate Kid from the 1980s, okay? But think about Mr. Miyagi's training program in the Karate Kid. Uh, Daniel LaRusso wants to learn 
karate. And so what does Mr. Miyagi, what does Mr. Miyagi make Daniel do? What's the first one? Yes. Wax on, wax off, right? And then what was after wax on, wax off? All right, painting, right? Well, there are two versions of painting. There's paint the fence, which is up, down, up, down, up, down, and then the house. You have to paint the house, which is side to side. And there was another one, sand the floor. Sand the floor, so wax, wax on, wax off, sand the floor, paint the fence up, down, paint the house side to side. Eventually, Daniel LaRusso is fed up. Right? He's like, what does any of this have anything to do with learning karate? And he blows up at Mr. Miyagi, and he's ready to quit. And then what does Daniel LaRusso discover? He discovers that when the time came, he was ready to defend himself and to fight. Because Mr. Miyagi had taught him the fundamentals. And really, that, that's why you preach the whole counsel of God. The Lord's, let me tell you something, the Lord's Prayer, the Sermon on the Mount, working through the Psalms in the summer, these are the fundamentals of your faith if you're a Christian. And if you can learn from the wisdom and the grace and the power and the peace of what followed when Jesus spoke the words, if you pray, pray then like this, then you're going to be ready for whatever the world throws at you. You're going to be ready. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to kick but you're going to be ready. So that's why I preach the whole counsel of God. Now back to the Lord's Prayer. Today's message is really going to be an introduction on the prayer. We're just going to focus on verse 9, the first phrase of verse 9, when Jesus says, pray then like this. That's all we're going to do today. Now why did Jesus teach them to pray like this? Or another way of saying it, pray in this manner. Why would he do that? Maybe you're asking the question, why pray at all in my life? If God's so great and He knows everything and He's going to give me what He wants to give me and not what I want, then why pray anyway? Why would He say pray then like this? And let's be honest, all of us, including myself, our prayer lives are difficult. I don't think anybody has a stellar prayer life and if they claim to do, they're probably lying. Oh, there's a healthy prayer life and a sick prayer life. I don't think anybody has a perfect one. And most of us, including myself, struggle to pray. So it is a priceless gift that the Son of God would teach us how to pray and give us specific guidance on it. In another place, in, in Luke chapter 11, Luke in his Gospel records a different account where Jesus was praying and His disciples watched Him and said, Hey, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, can, can you imagine you know, going up to Venus Williams and saying, Venus Williams, would you teach us, can you teach us how you play tennis? Michael Jordan, would you teach us how you play basketball? Beethoven, would you teach us how you compose music? Good luck. Lord, teach us how to pray. And he did. This is, this is profound. As you look through Jesus' teachings in the Gospels, you don't see things like Jesus saying, sing like this, evangelize like this, do missions like this, do mercy and justice like this, vote like this, discipline your children like this. Now look, of course Jesus' teaching is full of all that stuff, but, but not like this. Pray then like this is, is so uniquely direct of Jesus. 
And so if you intend to follow Him, if you intend to follow Jesus, you need the Lord's Prayer. He thought you did. And today the idea is those who Jesus says are different, and think about it, Jesus was very different, and if you follow Him, He said, you're going to be different, and the world's going to see you as different, probably even odd. Those who Jesus says are different must pray different. The Lord's Prayer is about thinking differently and it's about living differently. And it's about relating differently to God. This is what Jesus is doing in the Lord's Prayer. He's teaching His disciples how to think differently, how to live differently, and finally, we're going to talk about how to relate differently to your Creator. So here we go. Uh, the Lord's Prayer teaches us to think differently about what God's priorities are. I said God's priorities, not ours. Okay? The, the theologian and author J.I. Packer, in his really helpful book on the Lord's Prayer, he offers a really helpful illustration. He says the Lord's Prayer is basically God's way of reordering our minds when we pray. And so here's his illustration. Think about it. When, when you're in a crisis or when you're confused or when you're discouraged or distraught and you go to an authority figure in your life who's wise and you respect, so maybe a coach or a parent or a counselor, right? somebody you really trust, you come to them and your emotions are raw, raw and your thoughts are all jumbled up and, and you just, you're talking to them and what do they do? They get you to slow down a bit. They start asking you questions. Now, what are you saying? Now, say that again. What do you mean by that? What is important to you? What are you afraid of? What really matters? What have I told you before? By asking really good questions and listening, that wise person helps you reframe the problem, the situation in your own mind. That person helps you make sense out of your mess, helps you rethink your mess. And so, J.I. Packer said that the Lord's Prayer is it's God's way of doing that for us. He, he helps you reorient and reorder what's going on according to His priorities, not yours. We don't pray to this God to impose our agenda on Him. We pray to this God to receive an agenda from Him. And by agenda, I, I, I don't mean that the Lord's Prayer is a formula or a prescription or um, a mantra. Something that, hey, if, if you pray this loud enough or long enough or correctly enough, results are going to happen in your life. That's not what I mean. That's not what Jesus intended it to be. What I mean is the Lord's Prayer is a mindset. It's a, it teaches us a habit of thinking. It teaches us a pattern for the types of things that God wants us to be praying to Him about. As J.I. Packer wrote himself, Jesus is teaching that, the, that prayer will be acceptable when and only when the attitudes, thoughts, desires expressed fit the pattern. The Lord's Prayer teaches us God-centered thinking. That's the Lord's Prayer. God-centered thinking, not me-centered thinking, not, not human-centered thinking. But as the New Testament shows, with a big word, repentance, and that's a big part of the Christian life, repentance, repentance, faith, and repentance. Uh, 
Repentance is more than thinking differently. Repentance is living differently as a result of your new way of thinking. Thinking differently that leads to living differently. So, not only does the Lord's Prayer teach the Christian how to think differently because of what God's priorities are, but the Lord's Prayer teaches us how to live differently in light of God's priorities, which are laid out before us in this prayer. So again, verse 9, pray then like this is Christ's introduction to His amazing prayer. And this is a significant introduction for us. Now we've got to remember that this prayer is situated at the very center of the Sermon on the Mount. As one scholar says, it's the center of the center of Jesus' most famous public address, the Sermon on the Mount. And it's, been, it's basically, you can see the Lord's Prayer as, as the apex. It is the pinnacle. It is the peak of the Sermon on the Mount. It's right at the heart of maybe the most important address Jesus ever gave, at least that we have recorded. At the heart of Jesus' famous teaching on what it means to be blessed on what it means to live the blessed life, the good life, what it truly means to flourish as a human being. At the center of all of that is a a prayer, a specific prayer. And our immediate background to what Jesus is saying in the Lord's Prayer, if you go to Matthew 6, are verses 5 through 8. And that's where Jesus confronted two false mindsets about religion of his day, which are very, very uh, relevant to our day as well. Jesus basically said, don't pray like the religious hypocrites who want to be noticed by other people. He also said, don't pray like the pagans who think they can manipulate God by how much and how specifically they pray. Jesus was teaching them prayer isn't about appearances and it's not about manipulation. It's about the one you're praying to. And he said to them that your father who sees in secret will hear you and your father knows what you need before you ask him. It's in that context that Jesus says, pray then like this. And in the original Greek of Matthew, it's more specific than that. Our English translation doesn't pick up on the fact that there is a plural emphatic you in the sentence. Literally, you then pray like this, right? He said, don't pray like the religious hypocrites. Don't pray like like the, the flamboyant theatrical pagans. You then, all of you, pray like this. Jesus is saying in this expression, you all then pray like this. My disciples are to pray differently. Why is that? Uh, Because the Sermon on the Mount is all about living different than the rest of the world, right? And if we're going to live different, at the heart of living differently is praying differently. At the heart of Jesus' message to be different is pray different. The Lord's Prayer, uh, this manner of praying, is a crucible that we have to put ourselves through. Have you ever noticed in life that when you're done praying, most of the time when you're done praying, you're still sick? You're done praying, you're still unemployed? You're done praying, uh, there's still racism in the world? 
there's still injustice, you're done praying and you still have conflicts with your friends and your relatives and your co-workers, you've noticed that? But as you go through the, the crucible of the Lord's Prayer, you come out of it remembering God lives. God reigns. God is love. God is truth. God is still light. Even though the situation has not changed, God is listening still. God is still there. God is still loving. God is still holy. God is still just. God is still forgiving. And so we must pray and think through our prayers with the principles that we discover in this Lord's Prayer. Um, different thinking alters the way you live. And Jesus designed for us a way of praying that changes how we think, which ultimately changes how we speak and how we act and the types of decisions that we make. Not only as individuals, but as a faith community. So we will discover that the Lord's Prayer is not mystical or magical, but very practical over the next couple of months. As the New Testament scholar N.T. Wright put it in his book on the Lord's Prayer, he said, we live as Jesus lived in a world all too full of injustice, hunger, malice, and evil. This prayer cries out for justice, bread, forgiveness, and deliverance. You see, we face the same essential struggles that the world in Jesus' day faced. So his answer then for how do we pray, Lord, still applies now. And we will also discover that the Lord's Prayer is not only practical, but it is personal. And it invites us into a dialogue with our Creator. The church historian Gusto Gonzalez said, Prayer isn't only about speaking, but also listening. Not only about asking, but also yielding. Not only meditation, but also praise. Not only a practice, but also a mystery. Not only devotion, but also a ministry. So, if you want to live as a Christ follower, then learn to pray like a Christ follower. We're going to live like Jesus. He's saying, pray like Jesus. All right? So this series is really an invitation to you to stop praying like the rest of the world. For me too. Invitation for us to stop praying like the rest of the world. Stop looking for perfection in your prayer life. Stop looking for precision and stop looking for results. That is not how the poor in spirit pray. That is not how, to use some terms from the Beatitudes, that is not how the meek pray. That is not how the merciful pray. That is not how the persecuted and the pure in heart and peacemakers pray. We have to remind ourselves of what the famous great missionary apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 8. He said, we do not know what to pray for as we ought. And he went on to say that the Spirit of God has to chime in in groans 
too deep for words to express to help us to pray because we don't always know how to pray. So if the great Apostle Paul could say, hey, sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought, if he could say that, then, then can't we acknowledge that we all have a weak prayer life? And that's the right place to begin, to acknowledge my prayer life is weak. That's the only way you're ever going to say, Lord, teach me how to pray. And stop neglecting prayer. It's an invitation to stop neglecting prayer because you think there's no point to it. This is the proverbial question. If God is so great, and if God is sovereign, and if He is omniscient and knows all things, and if He knows exactly what I need before I ask Him, and if He's going to ultimately give me what He wants me to have and not what I want to have, then why pray anyway? Asking that kind of a question is, is similar to asking yourself, why should I talk to my coach before the game when I know we're going to win? It's like saying, why should I talk to my spouse if I know that they're never going to leave me? The question itself, why should I pray if God already knows what I need is, is going to do His own will? The very question itself, why bother, reveals that you're not interested in Him. The Lord's Prayer teaches us how to relate differently to God. It not only teaches us how to think differently and therefore how to live differently based on His priorities, but the Lord's Prayer teaches us how to relate differently to a God who made us His priority. Right? Because our prayer life is difficult because He's not our priority. His ways are not our priority. His will is not our priority. But, but the prayer itself that Jesus gave us teaches us how to understand a Creator who, even though we didn't want to deal with Him, made us his priority anyway. And we know that because of the Gospel, because of the good news, which tells us that Jesus, the Son of God, knew the night before He was executed that His heavenly Father's mind was made up. He knew that the Father's mind was made up and that He was going to have to die a horribly shameful and terrifying death on a Roman cross. It was an agreement that God the Son and God the Father had made from all eternity outside of time. It was something that they had always planned on doing when they thought about humanity's fall and humanity's need for forgiveness and redemption and restoration. Uh, Jesus knew that it was always the plan. And for all 33 years of His life, He knew it was all leading up to this moment. He knew that He had to die the next day. And the eternal Son of God in the garden while He sweat drops of blood nonetheless asked His heavenly Father if He didn't have to do it that way. He knew exactly what His heavenly Father wanted. He knew what the result had to be. And He prayed anyway. Father, let this cup pass from Me. We don't want to pray sometimes because like, God's got it all figured out and He knows what He wants to do. Jesus knew what had to happen and He prayed anyway. And, and, and this is getting to the heart of prayer, friends, and the Lord's Prayer. Because the utter dependence that Jesus shows us in the Garden of Gethsemane there, 
the utter dependence, the blessed dialogue that we see Him having with His heavenly Father. Not that I will, but that you will. Okay? That, that is what He is inviting us into in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus had to hear the words, no. His heavenly Father had to say no to that request so that the Father could say yes to the next request the next day, which was as He hung on a cross, He said, Father, forgive them. The, ans the first answer had to be no so that the second answer could be yes. And that is the purpose, the core of all prayer, getting ourselves to a place in our lives where we can say, not what I will, but Father, what You will. The Son of God invites us into this blessed dialogue. He invites us into His own prayer closet. You know, remember what He said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, you want to pray in a way that pleases your Heavenly Father. Stop impressing other people and go into, your, go into your store closet where no one can see you and your heavenly Father will know. He'll know what you're saying. He'll know your heart. Well, Jesus is inviting us into His prayer closet. Nothing less than what He had with His heavenly Father while He lived with us. This blessed dialogue where we learn to pray like Jesus prayed. I want to learn how to do that. And I invite you to join me. Those who Jesus says are different, must pray different. If you want to live like Him, then let's begin to pray like Him. Let's pray. Our Father, in lives in which we often struggle and question our own faith based on the messy nature of our own prayers, teach us how to pray. In the midst of our unemployment and our sicknesses, in a pandemic, teach us how to pray. In the midst of an election year and political and racial and social tensions in our polarizing society, Lord, teach us how to pray. As we find ourselves in, in a new building where we're still trying to figure out which way is left and right and up and down, as some of us find ourselves watching and listening from, from our couches and, and armchairs, Lord, teach us how to pray. As Your Son did, oh, teach us how to pray. And thank You for His marvelous gift of being so specific about this. He must have really, He must have known that we really needed this. So, Lord, open our hearts and transform our minds. Teach us how to live differently, differently as we learn how to pray differently. For the sake of our Lord and Savior Christ. Amen.